got a feeling it's episode 71. Welcome, everyone, to... What was it? <laughs> episode 71. I'll do it again. That's tight. Welcome, everyone, to episode 71 of the Mid-Face Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page, and I'm joined by Joe Davis. Hello. So very tired, Joe Davis. I am tired but alive. Yeah, it's oh. been it has been one of the most tiring emotionally weeks of my life last week, oh. I think. Yeah, quite possibly. Tired because I kept getting up in the night to my mum and tired mm. because uh she you know, the weekend we we moved her into an, her care home. And mm. oh man, if you've ever done that, it's just so traumatic and you worry about her and every little thing that she complains about you take you know it's just so hard it's so hard mm. so we're settling into there and uh, thanks to those that sent love and thoughts and good wishes appreciate that uh but yes it's been a it's a, been a difficult time we'll settle her in hopefully over the next week. but i'll tell you what's great she's played the piano there and already got adoring fans oh uh, super uh, you know, she has yeah. to be helped quite a bit to get there. But uh, once she's there, she oh, the music okay. does the talking. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all part of life's rich tapestry, as we've it's said funny, before. Isn't it? Yeah. As a parent, you sort of one of the emotional key points is when you move your child out, or when your child moves uh, out, exactly. or something. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. Yeah. And then you yourself are moved out by your children, kind of thing. It's yeah. Kind of it all goes around, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, circular. what was sort of fortunate is, you know, mum made no secret of the fact she didn't really want to go into home. But no. When she fell on the, just before the meeting with the home, you know, she once she falls, she can't get herself back up. So yeah. she says, yeah, I, I know I can't cope yeah. here anymore. So that was a kind of good thing in a way. But, ah, oh, it's hard. Oh, it's very tough. We but the mobility very... goes, but the brain is still reasonably sharp. So that's great. Okay. So you're talking about her or you? <laughs> yes, the style, yes, she's got a better mind than me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mobile. but guess what? There's respite coming up at the end of the week as we go uh, to Minnesmere yes. in the pouring rain. <laughs> yes, it's not looking a good weather forecast. But as we know, if you pray about these things, God will change the entire weather pattern of the Western Atlantic <laughs> exactly. to suit you. Yes, exactly. So I think we're going to do that. This will be a real test. <laughs> He'll not only do that, plus there'll be a car parking space. Yes. That's how prayer works. Exactly, everyone. Mm. Shh, listeners, we're not really doing that. <laughs> I am. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Nick Page. Yes, go on then. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm not bad. I, uh, I've been away. I went at the weekend to Scargill House in yeah. Wharfdale in Yorkshire, which is uh, just stunningly beautiful. beautiful. I think it's got the most beautiful chapel. Mm. in the world i mean it's just fantastic and um I'll, I'll put some pictures of it up actually on the on the website and on various feeds yeah yeah i mean say say about why it's so good because it's the the chapel is but is um it just looks at it's got this enormous window which yeah. covers basically one of the walls and uh north wall i should think and it just looks out into this wood and these amazing trees and everywhere you're surrounded by beauty it's just it's just yeah. gorgeous yeah, yeah. So uh, I was there leading um, or helping to lead a uh, weekend for writers. And um, uh, it was led, ultimately, my boss, I suppose, was um, my friend Adrian Plass. And I've got an interview with him. 
I've done an interview, Joe. You've done First an interview. one on the show. I know. You've taken everything from me. I mean, you know, you just... <laughs> I feel like I've finally grown up. I'll be wearing long trousers before you know it. <laughs> so, uh, so, well, we're going to go into the interview. But yeah, let's how, go Tell it, us yeah. about how, how long you've known Adrian, you big name well, dropper. Uh, well, no, you see, ha, ha, you see, we'll, we met him, actually, together. Well, we did. Uh, at, at Spring Harvest. That's the only we time I've met him. Shows. Yeah. I know, but that was the first time I'd met him was properly. It? Oh, you just yeah. you just nurtured a friendship. Yeah. I, well, maybe it wasn't the first time, but I, maybe I had met him slightly before that. But um, uh, that was since then. So since ah. when were we doing those? Early nineties. Oh, early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably met him actually. Uh, yeah, around that time uh, of early nineties, and then uh, we've sort of kept in touch ever since, really, and done the occasional mm. thing together. And um, he is a genuinely lovely and extremely funny man mm. in, in real life, as well as in his books. Um, just down to earth and honest. And yeah, he's wonderful. So I think we should right. just uh, let the interview do the work, really. OK, let's do it. I'm here with a friend of mine, good friend of mine, uh, Adrian Plass, well-known author, wit, raconteur. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lay about, yeah, uh, pillock, <laughs> all the all the above, <laughs> yeah. And we're here at um, uh, Scargill House in uh, Wharfdale in Yorkshire. Absolutely beautiful place. Um, I mean, firstly, Adrian, you've got a bit of an association with this place, so can you sort of tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, it closed in two thousand and eight. Um, things went wrong. I wasn't here, so that you weren't responsible. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> but also, I can't comment really on what made it close. But in um, 2008, coincidentally, we didn't do nothing about that, but we, for the second time in our lives, we said one of those monumental prayers. We were in the kitchen, which we're always in the kitchen when things happen. Um, and we, we, we thought something was happening, something was going to happen, we didn't know what. So we said to God, we'll go anywhere and we'll do anything. We didn't oh, mean it. Yeah. We never ever mean it. Um, we really <laughs> don't. Um, and... And then we said, right, well, we've said that, but how can we mean it? So we said, right, 2010, we'll blank out. So we'll receive invitations to go and speak or whatever, but we will we'll say, no, we can't tell you. Right. So we get there. And then shortly after that, we heard Scargill had closed. And it's very hard to explain what happened then, except that, I mean... Guidance is one of the party games of evangelical Christianity, isn't it? We're all gid, but we're not um, all the time. But sometimes we are. And I just knew from then, from then we were going to Scargill. I didn't know how or in what form, but I kept saying to Bridget, we're going to Scargill, we're going to Scargill, we're going to be at Scargill. And then we heard um, that the council were buying, a new council were buying Scargill, and we wrote to them and said, would you like us to be involved? And they, uh, and they were, um, said, yeah, it'd be good if you could be around and be writer in residence, which was what I was supposed to be. I never was. I was in residence, but didn't do much writing. But uh, Phil Stone, who's the um, director mm. here, and his wife, we've known since known Phil since he was in our Bible study group when he was 14. Wow. And he just not got the job at Lee Abbey of, warden which he really wanted and this was the new thing 
and so um, he, he got the job here. And we began our work here in the early 2010, so the year we actually emptied out uh, was the year we started. Wow. If we hadn't done that, we'd have missed probably some of the, the most instructive and life-changing times we've known up to this day because we went into more of a helping people mode and not exactly teaching but but going into subjects quite deeply rather than the entertainment thing which I've been doing for I think that's interesting years. isn't it for, firstly there's a couple of things there that I you know wouldn't normally associate with you one is with the best world in the world living in community yes you'd be right you've never you never you never struck me as someone who's you know naturally wants to spend all his time living with about 20 other people i would kill the last example of some very rare species of mammal <laughs> to avoid <laughs> spending the rest of my life in community but there, there are two sides to that and, and they're interesting ones because and until we went to Scargill, I had this fear, you know, if we joined community, all my working life, since I became a writer, people come to our things smiling at me. Mm. There they are in the front row smiling at me. Mm. They've read my books, they're smiling at me. They don't love me, they don't know me, but they're smiling at me. And I thought, what's going to happen when I'm actually in community and I see them every day? How are they going to feel about me then when they discover this 2D crap artist? <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, the actual outcome was such a, an outpouring of affection for us yeah. and us for them that it was, it was truly wonderful. In the process, I mean, some of us, especially in leadership, were killing each other. I mean, really, it was very it's tough. hard. Yeah, very hard. We, we made some big mistakes. Yeah. And our roles were new ones for us, and we had no idea what we were doing. And and I'm pleased. I mean, it grew like a tree instead of um, being organised on straight lines. And I think it was very good. And we just it was it was like ending an apprenticeship. Who I mean, had done thirty years of trolling around doing funny stuff, and suddenly we're we're among people who really need help. Mm. And that 30 years is, was a terrific start because we had capital through that in relationship with people mm. um, and, and we've cashed in on that obviously so that's, that's kind of what happened no, I'm, but being in community um, after a while I couldn't have hacked it anymore because mm. I really do need space and I know everyone says that but I really do mm. and I wasn't getting any writing done mm. so in the end, we moved moved out. I want to come to the writing in a minute. But the, the the other part of that is this: you said 2010, it kind of opened up a bit more of a, a pastoral kind of that's right role yeah. for you both. Mm. And can you say a bit more about that? About the kind of people that you you are um, sort of walking with in 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 daily life? Because I think people have you. People always have writers pegged, yeah, don't they, yeah. by the book. The last book that they that's read right, by them, yes. which, yeah, that's which could quite be true. one that you wrote about 30 years <laughs> yes, ago. Yes, I know, yeah. that's really annoying. Um, yeah, yeah. So people would have you yeah. as the sacred diary man kind of yeah. thing and yeah. the humorist, at, right. at which you excel, but there's, a, there's this other side to what you do, what you and Bridget do. I well, know. in the early days, I mean, the reason I wrote the sacred diary was because I was so pissed off with the church mm. 
Um, <laughs> and um, I, I was I was really angry, and I remember saying to Bridget, I'm going to write a really angry book. She said, well, you can if you don't want anyone to read it. And in the end, I wrote a funny book. Yeah. But I was more serious in the writing of that funny book than I've ever been since, yeah, I yeah, think. Because yeah. I was saying, you know, I can't stand this anymore. <laughs> the way we talk and the way we behave yeah. and the stuff that goes on. And yeah. I remember one, writing one bit in the Sacred Diary where the, the hero, who has the same name as me, he, borrows a car, he lends his car to some woman who he fancies slightly <laughs> and feels it's a great Christian uh, act he's performed. Then he sees her in the car with a load of blokes heading off to the beat to the coast with their <laughs> bottles of stuff. And he says, I want my bloody car back. <laughs> and the moment of liberation when I wrote that, yet moving yeah. from what you're supposed to think and feel and say to what actually happens was a, was very liberating for me. And I think that that lasted right through this thirty years, but yeah. it couldn't have flowered, as it were into actually wanting to... I mean, we were never nasty to people. <laughs> but we we weren't in a pastoral situation no. very often. But suddenly, that knowledge, that, that information about the gap between what happens and what is supposed to happen, was, and still is, much of what we do, to, saying to people, you don't have to be in prison. Yeah. There's so many little prisons in the church, as you may have noticed, I mean, what, one classic one is, only God can do it, you can't do it, but if you don't do it, it's your fault. <laughs> so you end up stuck in these little tiny penitentiaries, yeah. uh, which suppose that God is really unpleasant, yes. really nasty, narrow-eyed piece of work. Yes. So a, a lot of people need rescuing from that. I think. Yeah. And that's a lot of that's what we try to do. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. And um, so... The humour side, and talk about the church for a minute. Then mm. you um, you wrote that because you were fed up with church. You know mm. so that was thirty years ago. Yeah. What's your attitude now, and and how have you stayed? How, are you in a church, or have you stayed with oh, the we church? Are. Yeah, no, we are, and and I love the church. I, mean, I always loved the church. It, it depends what you mean. I mean, I always loved the people. Yeah. Uh, we've always cared about people in the church the institution of the church because we see it failing so continually we've grown to be very very wary of churches um, there are some great churches there are some wonderful people um, nowadays we're, we're actually in a vineyard church which which is, surprises me um, <laughs> but we're there by default really it's a well everyone else has Kicked you out, is that? Well, that, well, not quite, but they. No, no. We we've been fortunate, you know. We're very welcome in really most places, but the it amazed me. The Vineyard <laughs> Church, um, it's a it's on in a, an area where most people are on benefits, and yeah. it's very alive. It's very conscious of the two truths that seem important to me, which one is who you are, and one is who God is. And constantly trying to balance that and offer yes. it to people so that you can say it's okay to be you and it's a point for God to be God. And if we bring those two together, we might see some uh, something good happen. And they do that there. And also, I don't have to speak. I've never been asked to speak or do anything, which I absolutely love. Uh, 
So we go in, what like two Anglicans, which is what we've always been, sit at the back, um, listen, um, grump a bit when something isn't what we think it should be, uh, and we love the people there. Yeah. So we we enjoy being there. That thing, so that thing you just said about who God is and who you are, those mm-hmm. uh, those two truths, as you say. Um, how do you help people with that? I mean, I think a lot of, I, I think that's absolutely true. A lot of people's. Um, basic issues in life because they don't really know who they are or if they do they don't like it mm. they're told they're told it's wrong mm. and they don't they, their um, vision of God is just one that makes an intimacy with God absolutely impossible because he's, yeah. he, he basically disapproves of them how do you help people with I've, that I've got no one answer to that I mean I I do know I mean I used to work with kids in care so quite often we'd they would be fostered say mm. and before they went to be fostered, their foster, their social workers would say, "It's going to be great. You're going to be loved without conditioning. You're going to have your own room, mm. and you'll be in a family, and you'll find out what it means to not have rules on the wall." And of course, these kids have no idea what they're talking about, so they get fostered. And I remember one foster child saying to me, "There is a point to this," saying yes. to me, "I ended up sitting in the dining room or the sitting room thinking." I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I've never been in a room on my own. I I don't want to be in a room on my own. <laughs> I don't know what love is. Yeah. I don't know what a family is. Well, a lot of people we meet crashed into conversion, whatever that is, and immediately are singing songs about God being awesome and saying, I have a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> and you think, well, how could you? <laughs> you know, what kind of relationship is it? that instantly has you shouting loudly that you think God is awesome. Yes. And um, famously, um, Tozer said, you know, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. And I think that is a huge problem, that you learn a set of practices and words and stuff that you hang on desperately to, hoping it will mean something one day. Well, I've been a Christian for 30, since I was 16, whatever it is, 70 minus 16. And um, over the last two or three years, I finally managed to be able to talk about God in a way that is true. For me, I mean. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always had things to say, yeah. and I've always wanted things and yearned for things and prayed about things and tried to do things. That, but, but I just recently I've begun to really like God and this relationship thing is kind of happening right and one of the things I'd love to help people with is to believe that's possible Mm. and I'm afraid often you have to dump some of the rubbish you collected in order to do that Um, and more than once here I've said to people I don't like your God I wouldn't want your God. If I were you, I'd give it up. Just yeah. give it up yeah. because he's mean-spirited. He doesn't seem to treat you very well. I remember at Lee Abbey once saying to a group of 30 people, I said, I know some of you and I've been with you for a week and God's performance with you in your life has been patchy at best. So there's a sort of frisson of fear and yes, yes. agreement. Yes. <laughs> because how could you say that? Yes. But on the other hand, how can you not say it when it's true? Yes. 
And there's God, I think, saying, God, just say it yes. to me. Say it. And someone said to me years ago, don't let God off the hook. And I think what God is always saying to me now is, don't let me off the hook. Don't say things are good when they're not good. Yeah, yeah. And encourage people. Tell them I love them. But it's not easy. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Fantastic. I, 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 so true. Now let's talk about your um, books, your latest books particularly. I'd like to talk about two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, are you proud of yourself? No. Um, you know, the, the Shadow Doctor books. Yeah. The last couple of books you've done. Tell us a little bit about those. Well, they started, as books always often foolishly do, with the title. Um, I once wrote a book called Alien at St Wilfrid's. That's very funny, that book. And I wrote it because I was sitting in a pub with a bloke who looked like an alien. I'm not <laughs> quite sure what that means, but he did. And he went to a church called St Wilfrid's. And afterwards, I went home and I said to Bridget, I'm going to write a book called An Alien at St Wilfrid's. And she said, what's it about? And I said, I've no idea. And then I thought of this character, Nunk, who comes to the church and forms a little group who meets everyone. So, I mean, that started like that. The Shadow Doctor, there were two books on my mind. One was a book of letters between an angel and a human being, which is not that original an idea, but I really liked the idea. What I loved was the idea that because God is God, he can morph himself into anything he chooses to be. So, for instance, you can read the Times in the morning and have a, an Americano and have an angel bring his Times in so he can do the crossword and react to things like a human being, because mm. he enjoys it. So I like the idea of exploring a lot of scenarios where that was happening. But I also thought this book called The Shadow Doctor, about a man who has reached later years, late 60s, and wants to help people with their shadows and has found unusual ways to do it. And the, the, my publisher said to me, I'd rather you did the Shadow Doctor book. And I was a bit miffed at the time, to be honest. Yeah. But I'm really glad I did it. And in the end, the first Shadow Doctor book is about two men. Jack, who's young, and is rather like me when I was young. Uh, full, of, full of Christianity, but hollow, really, and, and troubled. And the Shadow Doctor, who is also troubled because he's dropped Christian language He's, he goes with the flow of the Holy Spirit, which is wonderful, but he's isolated in what he does, and he he's stopped analysing what he's doing, really, and perhaps lost touch with the roots of where he's going with this. Mm. So Jack needs him, because he needs something solid. The Shadow Doctor needs um, a friend, really. Mm. And they get together. And what and are some of the shadows that he deals with? Um, what do you mean by shadows? I suppose problems, really. Yes. There's somebody who's being blackmailed. I've always been fascinated by blackmail. Have you? Yes. I absolutely the love the with... concept. I, <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing it if, no, if it no. wasn't a bad thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, uh, one, of the, one of the things they do is to help a young man who's, who did something he, he really is ashamed of in the past. Mm. And he's being blackmailed. And the Shadow Doctor produces a very strange web dealing with it he also helps an elderly lady who is wants to kill herself mm. uh, and she um, her husband has died she's just you know the years are passing and 
endless days of misery. So she says to him, I've got all my marbles. I'm quite sane. I don't want an eternity of misery. Do you agree with me? I should end my life. And he says, yes, yes I do. And she's a bit disappointed, obviously. <laughs> says, well, at least you could, you know, offer me some advice or something. He says, no, 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 I think you're right. And she says, all oh, right. And he says, there is one thing you haven't considered, though. One option. And she says, oh, yes, what's that? Thinking, here we go, usual sort of stuff. And he says, Scrabble. And she says, Scrabble? She says, are you suggesting I join a Scrabble club? And he says, no, no, you've already lost the will to live. <laughs> so, so I won't tell you how Scrabble saved her life, but his, his thinking is, I think, quite Jesus-like, and he turns everything upside down. Yeah. And the main thing is to break into a pattern, I think, with him. And as he says later on to Jack, he didn't really know what he was talking about before he said it. Um, but to break into into a um, a dark path pe people are taking, yeah. and occasionally to see something really is that something you've out. got experience of in terms of you know saying something you think I'm not really sure why I should be saying this. Well, it, I, it is yes. I mean. Although I, I draw back from that immediately because all the prophetic, you know, speaking for God thing is very iffy yes, yes. and worrying. Oh, and I, I think so. Well, people use prophetic by, in so oh, many different words. They say, yeah. we're going to speak prophetically here. And they, what they mean is, you're going to have to listen to me. Or, I know, yes. This I is see. what I think, but I'm not so confident in it, so I'm going to give it more of an edge. I but, know. Yeah. Actually, I mean, most of the things that you feel you ought to say, you don't have to say God. Said no. If you say it and it has an effect, it's yeah. great. If it doesn't, yeah. it won't. Uh, but I, I can give you an example if you yeah. want. At Lee Abbey, um, Bridget and I one day decided that we would uh, not say anything when we prayed for people until we had something to say, which obviously is a recipe for silence. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a very depressed lady came to be prayed for. You know the prayer situation, there's you two, and there's a yeah, third one. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like saying, pop your clothes off and we'll pray for you. That's <laughs> horrendous. But um, she was so... technique, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so low and so dark and suicidal. Yeah. She said, I'm, I've reached the end, I've had enough. And I looked at Bridget and she shrugged. She looked at me, I shrugged. And it was terrible. I mean, she sunk in a chair and we'd said we'd say, and she's a, a minister. So she knew all the answers. So we just sitting there. It was horrible. And, uh, you know, not neither the first nor the last time that's been the case. But yeah. then I suddenly remembered she bought a pile of my books earlier in the week for the for her family. And she paid by cheque. So I said to her, I thought, no, I didn't say, I thought. It, I hope that the check gets cash before the suicide. Oh gosh. So I thought I can't say that. And time passed and it's the only thing entered my head. So in the end I said, You're gonna think this is very harsh A <laughs> 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 Bridget thought I'd finally gone round the bend. I said I know it sounds a bit harsh, but is there any chance you could postpone your suicide <laughs> till the check for the books has gone through? 
So, no, you never put that in a prayer manual, would no, you? No, no, no. No, and, and you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. Two days later, she wrote to us and said that was the moment when the cloud lifted. Yeah. Why? Because she laughed. Yeah. She said, you can't say that to me. <laughs> You're supposed to coax me and help me. Uh, and it was... And you never do it again. No. The the problem is you end up with a denomination where you always <laughs> say things <laughs> yeah. like that. Yes, yes, yes. And and it's really just the flow. I mean, is it God? I don't know. Is it is it me with yes. an inspiration? I don't know. But all I know is that it had a very beneficial effect. Yes. I'll give you one more quick example, and I, I because I think it's important. The, these things they exist. Um, I was in Australia, and because uh, we are international speakers, you know. Oh, Just you, thought I'd mention well, that. Well, me, I get to the Isle of Wight sometimes. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's how far I go. <laughs> and there was an elderly lady who wanted prayer, and she couldn't talk. Actually, this is in the new book. This okay. story is a fictional story. And um, I thought, how can I get her to talk? So I said to God in my mind, give me a question to ask her. And I thought, we won't. You know, this is sort of thing that happens all the time yeah. <laughs> so then this question came into my head and it was such a ridiculous question that I thought I can't possibly ask her that and I thought well I did ask so this is a lady in her 90s I said you're going to think it's a bit of a silly question but have you ever ridden an elephant <laughs> <laughs> she said um, no and I thought oh thank you very much and then she said hold on a minute I have ridden an elephant when I was eight and we went to India. They put me on an elephant, strapped me on. I can remember them putting the straps on. And I know it was then because my mum died that year. And I remember us getting together to talk about how we we're going to survive mum's death. Yeah. And suddenly she's talking. Wow. Now, again, you know. The trouble is, you can ask a question like that and you'll get something that really is absolutely yes, hopeless in your head. So I don't actually know how you distinguish those things. I don't know why we have to, though. Do you, we want to spiritualise all of it, don't we? So, yeah. so people would say, you know, I've got this idea for, for a book, or I've got this idea for something, I don't know if it's what God wants. Oh, I don't, never ever thought that, you know, ever in my life. I mean, maybe but, I should have done. But, but, I don't know. Well, I think a few things he definitely didn't want you to do. But no, I think yeah. you know. But why does it have to be? What it doesn't. It, you know? it doesn't. And and actually, I mean, again and again, we found people react incredibly positively to being told you like them. Yeah. Uh, no more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people are in a bit of a desert. Um, there's that. There's a bit, isn't there, in Matthew, isn't there, which says, "The gates of hell shall not prevail against the." Church. Church, yeah. And I've never really thought about that before, I expect you have. But going into hell to get people out is a really good ambition to have. And I always thought of it as hell attacks and you resist, but it's not. It's saying get into hell and get them. Yeah. So when we're with people who are going through really, really bad times, mm. that metaphor or whatever it is, is really useful. Because mm. You feel you're going to have the support of the Holy Spirit in there. The Holy Spirit is saying, get in there, get them out, do whatever it takes, get them out. And that's been very useful. Thank you. Anyway, it's been great talking to you.
It's, it's, it's been a, a privilege and an honour to know you. <laughs> uh, yes. But it has to all end now, I'm afraid. Yes, I understand. No, yeah. Now that the interview's Now the interview, now I've got what I want to know. <laughs> yes. Anyway, okay. no, that's great. Thank you, Adrian. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, that was, uh, that was me talking to Adrian. Well and, done, you. Uh, Good interview. Oh, he, he's, a, he's very easy to... Yeah, no, that's interview. great. He's done a few. And as I said, very honest about everything, really. Yeah, um, I like that. Don't we love honest people that have gone past the whole pretense stuff and they can just be free to be here there? Yeah, I, there were some bits in it that were really um, that surprised me. One was that he said it's only in the last uh, sort of couple of years that, that he felt he's really started to talk about God in a way that's it's interesting. True, I, yeah. I would have put it much earlier. Than yeah, that. to me, to me, he's always done that. Yeah. Um, and uh, but but you know I think that was interesting that he just feels that he's yeah. he's uh, he's begun to really like God. It's yeah. really... great, wasn't it? Great. I love that little throwaway comment at the beginning about being guided by God, and he said we are good. Yes, <laughs> okay, I'm going to use that from now on. <laughs> one of, one of those games that we play. Yeah. And, uh... No, go on. I was gonna, just going to say I, I really like that bit about prisons. You know, when he was talking about um, yes. God can do it, you can't do it. But of course, if it doesn't work out, it's your fault. It's <laughs> God, your fault. I, I recognise that. So I know. Much. I know. <laughs> and and the interesting thing about him on these weekends. So this was a, a weekend for writers. Um, but it's like a church. When you go, it's this community that he and and Bridget, his wife, and they know everybody and they pastor everybody. And these mm. there's some. You know, there's all kinds of people in there, and with all kinds of different um, life situations and problems, and people who are writing because they've been rejected by the church, and all kinds of stuff. It's really fascinating community, and mm. and the care that comes out of them is just is just wonderful to see, really. Yeah, I lo- I love that. I, I mean, it's 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 the real authentic thing, isn't it? With people, you can't really fake that. I mean, if people genuinely love you, you know it. And that sort of transcends so many barriers and boundaries and yeah, all the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, I like I like what he said about. He's very positive about the church. I love the church. He said that yes. a couple of times, but of course he made the distinction. He, I think he said at one point, you know, it does depend what you mean by church. The yes. church is the yes. people, and there's no doubt he loves the people. But I mean, like us all, he's got some question marks about the institutional church, and I think I think that's worth recovering that language. Because it enables us to be a lot more positive than sometimes we are about church. We love the church because the church is people. Mm. Um, mm. But well, I think it's... I spoke about it a little bit on the Friday night when I was mm. they were doing a little intro interview with me, um, and I said I was talked about the podcast, you know, and I talked about how many people we con- we are in contact with who who are still identify very strongly as Christians, but who no longer go to church, and there's such a kind of you can always sense there's a sort of frisson of recognition mm. there amongst people. Mm. Um, and it seems to me that we need to reframe the, what we mean by church so much in order mm. to sort of accommodate all these different kinds of groups, your cult or whatever, yeah, exactly. or Adrian's yeah. sort of group of writers or whatever, yeah. because it is about, you know, communities of people. It's not really about the institution. Yeah, and the institution itself, it seems to me, needs to either accommodate this and 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 understand that there needs to be space for this or it will um it will wither i think yeah yeah too right and um as he went on you know towards the end as he was talking about the the things he says to people i just love that that whole thing about breaking (laughs) into people's patterns and and ways of thinking and the questions 
they ask themselves and you know that's a whole science and we touched on that in the last podcast or a recent one but I, I love that whole idea and I, I suppose the thought that I had as he was sharing that is I think that's what good counselling actually does a good mm. counsellor will examine the questions you ask yourself and challenge very gently and often very lovingly and kindly and gently that the, the way that we think about ourselves and situations and things that happen to us and, and try and help us tease out if there are other ways of thinking and reacting and questioning yeah. those things. So uh, that was just brilliant. Yeah, it, it, he's a, he, he is the most honest prior I think I've ever... Really? Met in my life. I mean, he utterly believes in prayer. You know, utterly. And there will the way his language about prayer. You know, was very in some sense, it's very sort of traditional, waiting to hear what God says, all this kind yeah. of stuff. But the way he prays. So in chapel on Sunday morning, where I was, I was going to bless everybody by preaching. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, he <laughs> did you say he, bless? <laughs> did I say bless? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as in off. And, and I. And I, um, he prayed at one point. He 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 stood up and prayed. He said, um, "So he said, Lord, I, sometimes I just wonder why on earth I'm doing this. Because <laughs> 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 you, you know, honestly, really, why do we do this? But we're going to do it anyway." <laughs> and then he went off with it. And you, and if we, part of you is going, "What?" What? And the other yeah. part of you, the other part of you is going, "Oh yes, yes, it's great. Yeah. Just." Just say it like it is. Exactly. And, and that honesty is so winsome as well. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I do recommend his book, um, by the way, his, his latest novels, The uh, Shadow Doctor. Um, you should uh, have a look at those. Yeah, they uh, sound really interesting. Re- really interesting, yeah. Good. Well, I, 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 well, we we should wrap this up because, you know, we don't want to overcook these weekly no. episodes, obviously. Um, but I, I loved where it sort of landed towards the end about, you know, talking about not why do we over-spiritualise life? And it just took us right back to the age-old thing on this podcast about the sort of sacred-secular divide. And I sort of, I, I thought that brought it full circle back to one of our dominant themes that, hey, you know, stop over-spiritualising yes, life. Life yeah. is life and God's in every single part of it. Love that. Absolutely yes. loved that. Yeah. Really, really great. Great interview, Nick. Thanks for doing it. Thank you. And try Thank not you, to be well. good at it because then it just makes me feel inadequate. Well, no, I Thanks. felt I, I all the time I was thinking, what would Joe do? Oh, a little, uh, a little. That's, I've got a spare bracelet with WWJD oh, on yeah, it. Yeah, excellent. And it's, uh, I've repurposed it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Anyway, I think that is uh, more than enough for now. So um, thank you for listening. We're going to be back next week and we will be recording, I think, from, from Minsmere. Should we give it a go? If you bring a yeah. recording device with you, then we will do it. I shall bring a recording device and you will hear two people speak while rain thunders down on them. <laughs> exactly, like judgment. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Cheers. We'll be with you next week. See you.